How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, back to our studies of Scripture again. We're going uh, going through 2 Corinthians. So please uh, go grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Now we've managed to get up to chapter 5. So that's where we're going to be starting today. Chapter 5. <clears throat> so as we go through here, we again must refresh our minds on how to actually read the Bible. As uh, It's not like any other book where you just pick it up, just go through the chapters, go through the story. There is the story narration, but there's so much more. And if you're just reading the Bible, just on a surface level, just reading through, you're going to be gleaning very little. You need to pay attention to what is being said, why it's being said, how it's being said, who is saying it. The, the, the paying attention to the very specific words, and we looked at that before, and uh, many a time, we see how, how much information can be gleaned just by paying attention to the very specific words that are being used. And then we cross-reference this with the rest of the Word of God, see where else does it talk about this, and this is how we study. We dive into the depths. So we're going to be doing this again with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So please go grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead and ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, then please uh, just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast when we have time. I want to try to limit our rabbit trailing which we always fail to do, but we try. So we're going to try to stay on point. All right. So um, before we get going, as we're waiting for other people to join in, uh, it's a couple little things. Um, Instagram doesn't like me. <laughs> uh, yeah, Instagram really doesn't like me. This morning I, I woke up and... Uh, as I'm making my coffee and all this, getting ready, and I'm checking my notifications and such, and I open my Instagram, and lo and behold, Instagram gave me another strike. Then <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, okay, what now? What now? So I click on the thing, and they tell you, they're, they're going, you know, telling me, oh, I shouldn't be like this, I shouldn't be, and they, they charged me with hate speech. <laughs> I got a hate speech strike. And I'm thinking, what? And it turns out, because a comment that I made, like, a week or two weeks ago, I don't even remember the thread, uh, someone else's account, we were talking, and I, I was talking against demons. I was literally talking about devils, demons, fallen angels. And I was talking uh, talking about that, and I was mocking devils and, and all this. And Instagram, for some reason, in all of their wisdom, decides that speaking against demons is hate speech. When did that happen? When did it become hate speech for speaking against devils? Anyway, so there's that, <clears throat> and they told me that my account on Instagram is in danger of being deleted. 
because I spoke against Devils. So, thankfully, I have a couple other backup accounts. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see I, re I, ju I just did a post <clears throat> a little while ago uh, informing of some of my other backup accounts, which you can follow because this one's in danger of being deleted. Um, so, yeah, that happened. <clears throat> it just goes to show the day and age that we're in. Uh, you can't even speak against the powers of darkness. You can't even mock the, the, the powers of darkness. So there's that. I'll never understand. And uh, yeah. So what do we do? When the governments say you can't preach from certain parts of the Bible because it's hate speech, when social media says you can't speak against demons because that's hate speech, when the powers of this world say you can't go to church and you can't do this and you can't have tracks, you can't do this, can't do that, what do we do? What do we do when the powers that be, those in charge, when they come down on you, what do you do? What should you do? As a servant of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, what should we do? Keep on. Not bow to their stupid whims, not bow to their rule, not bow to, to their laws and rules. We bow to the word of God. We bow to nothing else. We do not bow the knee to any man. We bow the knee only to Jesus Christ and to his word. We, we hold the line. We, we keep preaching. And just as the apostle said to the Sanhedrin, uh, whether it seem right unto you to obey you or not, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to be God rather than men. So with that, we're going to continue on. We're going to continue speaking against devils. We're going to continue speaking against the powers of darkness. We're going to continue preaching uh, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue preaching the word of God. And if people don't like it, tough. And if this angers their devils, tough. We're going to keep on. We're not going to stop. All right, so with that... Please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to go down through here, verse by verse, point by point. And please feel free to chime in as we go along. All right. So to pick up here, if we take a look at the verse here, for uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Okay, so to really understand the context of this, we need to back up. Back up just one verse. Go back to chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, that which we can see, right? the physicality, materialism. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. We look at things which are not seen. Hold up. <clears throat> How can we look at things which are not seen? Well, that's what they're spiritualized. Well, how do you do that? What does the Word of God say? It talks about heaven. It talks about God and angels. It talks about the faith. It talks about Jesus Christ. It talks about the spiritual realm. It talks about all these things that are around us. Well, we look not at things that you're seeing, but look at things which are not seen. That means to pay attention to, to be mindful of, to be mindful of, to be aware of, conscious of, to, to hold our minds captive to these things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. The things, all that which you can see is limited. It's going to fade away. It's going to be destroyed. It's going to die. It's going to go away. It's going to fade away. It's going to be gone. But the things which are not seen are eternal. They, they, they cannot die, cannot fade away. And just as Jesus talked about storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven, which the, which the moth, uh, uh, moth and rust doth not corrupt, and the thieves do not break through and steal. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, For we know, this is a continuation of verse 18, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Now, hold up the second here. Let's read that again, very slowly. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, what is Paul referring to? The actual, like, tabernacle of Moses? Or, as Paul says, what? Know ye not, ye are the temple of God which is in you, and you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. He's talking about our bodies. He's talking about our flesh. He's talking about our flesh. We cannot see our spirit. Look what it says, but uh, look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. To look at spirit, not flesh. To look at that which is spirit, not physicality. Spiritual, not material. Uh, that, so we see he's referring to our bodies as tabernacles. Now, what's the difference? Well, the tabernacle, tabernacle, the tabernacle is a mobile building. It wasn't a permanent fixture where it, it was the thing that they would unpack. It was like this really fancy tent that they would use uh for the worship of god and then when they'd have to move somewhere else they pack it all up and move and they'd set it all up again and that it that the tabernacle was mobile through the wilderness how apropos we see that we are like living tabernacles wandering through the wilderness of this world so paul here is referring to our bodies he's referring to us that we are tabernacles now, look what he says. For we know that if our earthly house, that's our physical body, our flesh, our body, of this tabernacle, it's interesting he uses that word, were dissolved to die, our spirit is not our body, but our spirit indwells our body. That our flesh, our body, is the house of our spirit. It's like a suit. So we see the house of our spirit right now is our flesh body. If our body is to die, be dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It, it's, a, it's a building, not a tent. It's a temple, not a tabernacle. It's, it's a fixture. It's not mobile. It's different. And this, this one is eternal, where our bodies are temporal. And we will die, and it will fade away, be worn out, it, it will be dissolved, it will be destroyed. But God's, God's temple cannot be. It's eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. So this is why he says in verse 18 of chapter 4, to look on the things which are not seen. To not really pay that much attention to that which can be seen. Our bodies aren't really that 
uh, how I want to say this, isn't that important as we see that because the bodies will fade away. It will be dissolved. We get sick, we get injured, we can die, and all kinds of issues. And we see in scripture, it says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. So we see that our bodies will die, will fade away. That this is, this is temporal. So this is why we need to look to things, really pay attention to that which is eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Now we also see in scripture where the Lord talks about fear not him which can kill the body. But fear him which can kill both body and soul in hell. You see, fear the Lord. Not, not to fear those things which are threats to the body. Not worry about that. Not something you need to be worried about. Because, well, we're coming back. We're coming back. You're not actually going to die. If you're a born-again Christian, you're not actually going to die. <laughs> the, the suit will wear out. The, it, the suit can be corrupted. The, this tabernacle can be dissolved. But you'll, keep, you'll continue to live. It, it's, it's less than a blink of the eye. It says in the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, that that's an unconscious, you know, uh, the eye blink. That quick. And your eyes are open and you're, you're walking around in heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. It's that real. And then you will be coming back with the Lord for a while. And then we see the whole everything that goes on in, in the end of days. We don't die. We don't die. So it's not something you should be overly caring about. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Now, what's he getting at there? Well, we see here, for in this we groan. Okay, what's this about groaning? Well, the scriptures talk about how all creation groans because of sin. Because of sin. Because of sin, inside we groan. I, oh, I just, I really, really, I... Been like I, I've caught myself doing this uh, sometimes where you know you mess up and you just you're so angry at your flesh's sinful ability or how it just catches you off guard it drags you down again it keeps getting you it keeps troubling you you're so sick and tired of your of your sinful weaknesses you just just long just to be in that state in heaven without sin to be in a body without sin that's what he's talking about here for in this we groan we groan oh i long just to be in a sinless body in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon to have a new house a new house <clears throat> so we see right now we have a temporary house the sinful flesh body and we're going to uh, but we're going to be having a sinless perfect eternal body that resurrection body with the lord to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven the promise that, that christ made to us and verse three if so be and and, and since this is the case <clears throat> if so be that being clothed because of this, being clothed, the promise of this, we shall not be found naked, meaning found wanting, found desiring, found without. We will have a dwelling place. 
we will have that which will be clothed you see as the picture that we see for right now because of this because of the the knowledge of all these things and in the state we clothe ourselves with clothes okay but we see in heaven we will have the white robes of righteousness it's the picture of something covering us as our flesh is the covering of our spirit our clothes are the covering of our flesh and we will see that again in heaven that we will have our our white white robes as well as new bodies a whole new thing the whole new thing and just going to cheat here go over to verse 17 chapter 5 verse 17 therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new new body new clothes a new place it's a new environment everything will be made new and i also found this really interesting and i was i was meditating on this verse verse three here <clears throat> we shall not be found naked nakedness is an interesting thing when we look throughout the bible we see for example the demoniac the gathering demoniac we, we take a look in the world at uh, different cultures and people the as one preacher put it, the further you get from God, the less clothes you wear. It's really interesting. And it's so true. In in many cultures, many places around the world, many societies, and then with many different kinds of people, we see nudity, nakedness, deliberate, in, in a form of rebellion. The further you get from God, the less clothes you wear. We see the gathering demoniac was naked. And when he when he was delivered by Christ, they found him sitting clothed and in his right mind. I I was shared a a, a post. One of my friends shared a post with me. They live in Toronto, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. <clears throat> I was so just dumbfounded that i didn't know what to say for pride month this year 2022 pride month month of june this past weekend uh they uh, the organizers for the pride month celebration parade whatever uh, in toronto ontario decided in all of their wisdom that what they would do is organize a complete utter nude bike ride across the city for all the lgbt as a way to celebrate pride month so thousands of people a world naked bike tour so all around the world whoever wants to join in wherever they are to bike naked across their city so they all gathered in in, in groups of hundreds and thousands and biked across the city complete bare naked it's interesting that god uses clothing as a picture of righteousness and godliness and that the devil what he wants to do is strip you of that that to cast off the clothes, to cast off that which covers, to cast away. And it is very similar to the language that we see in Psalms chapter 2. 
Psalms chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us, the rules of restrictions, things that cover all of that which would be, which would be uh, of the Lord to cast it off. We see it in Satanism and witchcraft and paganism, the casting off of clothes and dancing around the fire. Uh, this is a very common thing. The further you get from the Lord, the less rules, the less morality, the less control, the less restrictions there are. Do whatever you want. There are no rules. There is no God. Go eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. That whole mentality. But what, what does the Lord do? He covers. Adam and Eve are covered in coats of skins, not fig leaves. He made them coats to cover coats to cover and we see that here as that the the legion was uh, the demoniac legion was found delivered sitting clothed and in his right mind the saints in heaven will not be found naked but clothed with the white robes full robes and here it would tell us in scripture it talks about us to be clothed we see morality uh, teaching of morality we see even the biblical sense of what is immorality and the condemning of nudity and nakedness. We see physical pictures, we see spiritual pictures. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we will have new bodies. We have a whole new thing. As the Lord, as the Lord instructs. Verse 4, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan in this tabernacle, this temporary body, do groan because of sin and because of troubles being burdened we are burdened we see a great picture of the uh, of the burden in romans chapter 7 where paul talks about his burden of his issues his temptations his struggles his sin his weaknesses and we see we see his wailings and woes and his hatred of his flesh but and then he goes on to talk about the glories that will come about what to look forward to for we that are in this tabernacle do groan. Verse 4. Being, we are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed. See that? Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. We groan because of the sin. We groan because, and we, I don't want to be in this. I want something new. I don't just want to just be... Removed from this, I want something else to replace. A new clothing to replace. I want a new body. I want that sinless body. I want that righteous, the righteous robes of the saints because I have no righteousness. I have nothing good in me. <clears throat> but what does the devil do? He takes this passage, corrupts it, twists it, and he teaches people to be unclothed. He teaches nudity. He teaches immorality. He teaches unrighteousness. We see the complete inversion of that which the Lord tries to teach. Like I, like I talked about, the, the horrible immoralities going on, especially in this month. But to be clothed upon, 
that mortality might be swallowed up of life so that we might have that eternal life, that hope to come, the hope of Christ. Verse 5. <clears throat> now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God. He that made us, taught us, saved us, redeemed us. See Ephesians 1 verse 7. The redeemed us out of sin, out of the corruption of sin. We're going to be using, we'll continue to use the Gadarene uh, demoniac for this picture. How he was redeemed. He was chained up in sin and darkness. He was naked. He was naked. He had cast off his clothes, just as the devil teaches. Served darkness, loved darkness rather than light because his deeds were evil. People tried to, tried to restrain him and he would break their streets. He cast off their bands asunder from him. And he beat them up and attacked them. And he was a wild man, uncontrolled, no understanding, completely lost in darkness. He was burdened, unclothed. And we see Jesus Christ comes, redeems him from that. He falls before the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ cast the devils out of him. And they clothed him. And he accepted it. He accepted the newness. He accepted that which is new. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he was found sitting. He was found in sanity. He was found in proper sanity, a proper mindset. He was found that his mind was calm. A peace was upon him. No more chaos. There was no more darkness but light. He was clothed not, and not unclothed. He was controlled. He was not chaotic. His speech was not contemptible. But was peaceful and calm and quiet and gentle. He longed to follow Christ. He was clothed upon with a, with a new clothing, spiritually and physically. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God. He that does this, he that redeems us and changes like this is God. You see that verse, verse 5 there? That's referring to Jesus Christ, calling Jesus God. Right here, we see this is a claim of divinity in verse 5. And he that wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given, uh, given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit. And now you notice Spirit is capital S. That's the Holy Spirit of God. That when we are born again saved, we will have the desires of the Holy Spirit of God. We will desire what he desires. We will love what he loves and hate what he hates. Thus loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And the Lord, even thy God, hath anointed thee the oil of gladness above thy fellows. He's given us the earnest, the desires, the longings of the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. He's referring to this body. About the new body to come, we will be with the Lord. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this a judgment. And the body without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. So when we die, that's when the spirit leaves the body. Spirit leaves the body. And we go to be with the Lord. Now you see, now you see right here. This is very important. It's all important. This is really important. While we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I'll get back to that. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So, the body without the spirit is dead. When the, when the spirit leaves the body, that's when the body dies. That's when true uh, physical death occurs. 
when the spirit leaves the body. Where does the spirit go? You're either in the body or you're with the Lord. That's what it says. Soul sleep is a lie. Soul sleep contradicts scripture. Soul sleep is a lie. Furthermore, if soul sleep is true, then why did the spirit of the prophet Samuel come up to, to warn and judge King Saul? If soul sleep is true, then where did the spirits of Elijah and Moses come from on the Mount of Transfiguration? If soul sleep is true, then why then why do we see and the Apostle Paul says that one of the times that he died, he met a man in heaven above, or in the body, or the body, you cannot tell. If soul sleep is true, then how come the story of the true actual account of the rich man and Lazarus dying and their spirits being in, in hell and the other being in paradise and talking to each other, how's that How's that happen if soul sleep is true? If soul sleep is true, then how come in Revelation we see, we see uh, the Apostle John seeing scores and multitudes of people in heaven? There's way too many contradictions for uh, to soul sleep. Soul sleep is a lie. I just want to throw that one out there just for fun. All right. Now, verse, verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, right now our body is ho home to, to what? To what? Now, this is something really interesting I wanted to point out to you. The Bible teaches that the eyes... That the eyes are the windows to the soul. What does that mean? That what's literally looking out your eyes right now, it's like when you turn and look and you're looking out a window and you look out to outside. What is looking out your eyes right now, the consciousness of you, what is thinking, what is looking out the eyes is your soul. Your body, your physical body, is the home of your soul. While we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, but when the body dies, the body without the spirit is dead. It goes out and you get a new body in heaven. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. And when we're with the Lord, we'll not be found naked, but we'll be found clothed. We'll actually have a new home, a new body, a new dwelling in heaven. That's what that says right there. Interesting, isn't it? So your body is like your house, which can, as the house can get mold, your body can get cancer. And that is a really interesting one. Side note, rabbit trail. When we look in the Old Testament, uh, and the laws of Moses, and it gives all the different instructions uh, of, uh, of food and clothing and behavior and everything else. We see instructions even of homeowners in the Old Testament. And one of the really interesting things that was discovered was the language used in the Old Testament regarding your home, your house, your building, your house, if your house got mold now the hebrew word that is used to describe house mold is the same word as cancer the when your house gets cancer <laughs> and how to treat it 
how to fix it. And that many a time we see that when certain forms of cancer mold gets in, it can't be fixed and the house is destroyed. That when some people get cancer, very little can be fixed, and sometimes it destroys the body. Yeah, it's just something to think about. That's just really interesting. But as we see, it's not the end. Where do the do the people that live in that house do they are they destroyed with the house? Or what do they do? They move on to a new house. They move on to a new house. The old house is destroyed and they get a new house. But they but but they continue to live. We are our spirit beings. We are spirit beings living in a body of flesh, living in a house of flesh. That's what we are. We are spirit beings living in a body of flesh, living in a home of flesh. And we will get a new body, new home. We will not be unclothed, we will not be found wanting, not be found without, but we will receive a new one because of the promise. Now, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Just as we see in verse 18 of chapter 4. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Because when you look at me, what you're seeing right now is a physical body. When I look at you, I see a monitor. So. When we, when we look around, we see physical things. But we can't trust the physical. We judge not after the appearance, Jesus says. Judge not the appearance. But our minds should be on that which is spiritual, not physical. Because the physical fades away. The physical fades away. For this cause, we faint not. If we back up to verse 16, we faint not. But, through our, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What is the inward man? That's the spirit. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, verse 17 of chapter 4. But our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Light, what is this light affliction? Death, temptation, trial, hardship. But our light affliction, which is but for a moment, death is death only takes a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. What happens when we really think about this? It gives us a sense of hope. It gives it gives us peace. It gives us that much more a determination. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, what is faith? A person asked me yesterday about this, as they were trying to talk to someone, and this individual they were discussing with was was so assured that faith is works. Faith is works. But let's take a look at this. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. 
faith is believing trust. Faith is believing trust. Now, I use the analogy uh, of, of sitting in a chair. Faith in the chair is knowing. Knowing that the chair is solid, well-built, sturdy, and it will hold me up. Now, what is the byproduct of this? What do you do because of faith in the chair? You end up sitting in it. You see, works directly follow faith. You say you love the Lord. Where's the evidence? Faith is uh, faith is the is the understanding, the believing trust. We walk by believing trust, not by sight. Because the things which are not seen, which are eternal, the things that our mind's supposed to be on, we can't really act upon that other than to believe in it. Other than to believe in it. To believe in the hope of, of heaven. To believe in the glory of Christ. To believe in, in the cross. To believe in the gospel. To believe in the word of God. Now what do we do here? What do we do while we're here? How, how is it acted out? How do we follow Christ in everything that we do? For we walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by religiosity, not by tradition. But by believing trust. So what it, that what, what it says is what it means. I believe that. I believe it. The confession of faith. The confession of faith. There's believing faith and there's the confession of faith. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. Willing to be absent. I, I do not want to be in this body anymore. I hate this body so much because of its sin. Because of the sin that is in the blood, the sin that is in the flesh, the sin that is in my body that troubles me and tempts me and fights me. And as Paul says, I, I, I know that it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Hold up. Romans 7. What does he say? Romans chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it. What? Sin. It is no more I that do it. It's no longer I that sins, but sin that dwelleth in me. What's he talking about? The difference between spirit and body. You are a spirit being. Living in a sinful flesh body. It's your fleshly body that sins, not your spirit. You are the spirit, not the body. Your spirit is not the one that's sinning. Your body is. Your flesh is sinning, not your spirit. Your flesh is sinning, not your spirit. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. <laughs> how, how to stop it, I, I don't know. I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to fight against this because it, it just continues. Verse, verse 20, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it. It is no more I that do it. If I'm doing that, which I don't want to do, 
if I'm committing those sins that I don't want to do, it is no more I that do it. Now that I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature, my spirit is made alive, it's sealed by the living God, the spirit is not that which is sinning. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, the flesh. Go down to verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Our spirits are bound to the law of God, our flesh is bound to the law of sin. So we'll see the dichotomy between spirit and flesh. The spirit serves that which is righteous, and the flesh serves that which is darkness. But we will soon have a new body, new clothing, as he uses the word clothing to refer to body. Am I making sense? Do you understand this? Do you see this? Please let me know that you understand this. It's quite exciting when you when you look at this. It also gives us a bit of a hope and an understanding of the reason why we keep sinning. The reason why we keep sinning. The reason why we keep falling on our face is because of our flesh. My spirit, the spirit is sinless. The spirit is saved. The spirit doesn't sin. The spirit that is in Jesus Christ, that is sealed with the spirit of God. The spirit is saved, sinless, and free. The flesh is bound to the law of sin. The spirit is sinless, the flesh is not. The spirit is saved, the flesh is not. But we will receive a new house, new temple, a new body, new clothing, a, a, a new home. Awesome, okay. There is understanding. Okay. Now we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Verse 9. Wherefore, because of all of this, because of this, as we are confident, I say, and willing, right, to be absent from the body present with the Lord, wherefore we labor, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Because of all of this, and we will be receiving a new body, but not yet. It's coming. It's a hope. It's the hope of Christ is that uh, we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Because of all this, and we walk by faith, not by sight, we labor that we may be accepted of him. Now, what does this mean? I thought we were accepted. This is talking about in a, in a sense of honor and respect. That the Lord would be pleased with us. This is why the scriptures talk about resisting the devil submitting the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof, casting down wicked imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is why the Bible talks about warring against the flesh, that, that my flesh wars against my spirit and I cannot do the things I would but to resist it, to resist temptation. That's what this is talking about here. <clears throat> to be accepted is to be, a, to be uh, honorable unto the Lord that the Lord would be able to use us. We are saved, but there are some Christians that don't labor in righteousness and acceptance of God. They don't labor in honor. They just that they, they, they just want to get their golden ticket and then they just go off and do whatever they want. But this is 
different uh, it talks about before the disciple is the disciple casts off dies to self crucifies the flesh with the affections and lust thereof wherefore we labor whether present or absent whether present in the body or absent from the body we that we may be accepted of him we may serve him and honor him we walk in fear of him the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom verse 10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ we all will be there we will all stand before the lord one day every single person that has ever been from adam all the way up to the last person ever to be born side note just thought you know how interesting would it be if the very if the last person who would ever be born was see the first person that was that, that ever came into existence was adam how interesting would it be if the very last person that was ever born was named adam well just 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 a thought we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and every single person that has ever existed will stand before God. And not just persons, every man, woman, child, every single person that has ever existed will stand before the Lord, and all the angels, and all devils. Every single creature of angel, devil, and person will stand before God. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of beings. That's a lot of spirits. We'll, we'll stand before the Lord at that judgment seat of Christ and the books will be opened and as we see as it talks about the judgment as the books will be opened and whosoever's name was not found written so there will be a line and we will see a division of those whose names are found and those whose names are not found and whosoever's names are not found written were then judged for their sins and cast in the lake of fire and all the devils and Satan and the Antichrist, the false prophet and death and all hell will be cast in the lake of fire. And then the Lord turns his attention to those whose names are found in the Lamb's book of life. He, he turns <clears throat> his attention to us. And what happens? You see, this is uh, something that I find quite troubling. Is that there are a lot of Christians out there who believe that God is then going to judge us for our sins and that uh, we'll be judged for all sins, not repented of and all that kind of thing. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. It's not what it says. Now, Jesus gave a parable of the, of the master and the talents. It's the parable of the talents. And this is in Matthew 25. Or we see that the the master of the business he he is going to be going on a long journey, and he sets up individuals uh, to take care of his of his uh, uh, of his property and of his business, and he gives them talents to use, and he goes off and he leaves them in charge of it. And when he comes back, he sees that some uh, that some have done really well, and there's one the wicked one who took a talent and buried it in the earth, rejected it. What he was given, he was rejected. And then this talks about how this one would be cast on into outer darkness. That wicked servant. That one had rejected what was offered him, which was given to him. 
But those that, that accepted the talents, those that have accepted the talents, they make use of it and they are blessed and they are rewarded for, for that which they did with what was given to them. For verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according as he hath done, whether they be good or bad. Uh, the language here is talking about as what well, is not going to be judged for sin, but how we cared for our master's business. Because the Bible talks about our bodies are the temples of the living God, which is in you, you're not your own, you've been bought with the price. How you cared for the master's house. Because now that we are born again saved, our bodies even belong to the Lord and he now uses it. He uses our bodies for the proliferation of the gospel. How you have cared for the Lord's business is what you'll be judged for. Not judged for sin because your sins have already been dealt with at the cross. Your sins have already been dealt with. Past, present, and future sins. All sins have already been forgiven and dealt with. They're going to be judged for sin because it was already dealt with by the judgment of the cross. But rather, you're going, to, you're going to be looked at and judged for how you cared for the master's business. Did you witness? Did you hand out tracts? Did you strengthen the saints? Did you guide the lost to Christ? Did you help the poor, help the sick? How did, were you a good disciple of Jesus Christ? And then there will be rewards for service. That's what it talks about. <clears throat> For we must all appear. We must all appear. We will all appear. So be mindful of that. That's why it says that, that we should look to the things that are spiritual, not to things that are physical. That when I stand before the Lord, it's not about me, but it's about Him and how I've honored Him. How I've honored our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about my best life now. <laughs> You can't have your best life now anyways. And it's all about having your best life now that I guess God really hated all of the apostles and prophets. I guess God really hated the martyrs. I guess God really hates the Christians in China and Russia and the Middle East. So it's not about best life now. It's not about, it's not about us. It's not, it's not about my enjoyment, but rather about what I can do for him. Because I love him. Because I honor him. I want to serve him. I want to walk with Jesus Christ. If Jesus was here physically, and I was following him physically, and he was going about in his ministry and all this, I was following him, I'd be imitating what he does. I'd be talking and working like, like he does. Well, why would we not already be doing that in spirit? Why does service have to depend so much on physical? That's why I look not at the physical, but look at the spiritual. To walk in spirit, not in flesh. To walk in spirit, not in flesh. To walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord, the terror of, of what about this day of wrath? As uh, Leonard Ravenhill, I believe it was, <clears throat> who says, many, many Christians have this mind of this meek and mild Jesus. But how little do they know the anger of the Lord, the wrath of God in the day of judgment. The Lord is coming and he's mad as hell. We see the judgment and the wrath and the, 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 the fierceness of hell is coming. and He's going to be judging. 
He's coming as judge. He's coming as king and executioner. He's coming to judge this world for sin. And he and hell is hot and it's billowing and it's ready. But, and his wrath will be upon sin. What about this day of wrath? We need to think about this. The terror of the Lord. This is why people need to repent of their sins and believe the gospel. Otherwise, the wrath of God will be upon them. The wrath of God is upon sin. But God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want you to, to go to hell. But this is why he made a way for you to be saved. He made a way. That's by grace. Not by works. By grace. Through faith. Not by works. Not about religiosity. But by what Jesus did for you. Not what you can do for him. It's what Jesus did for you. So that you could be saved. Repent and believe the gospel. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right in front of you. It's right before you. That which is spiritual is right here. We must all appear, and there is a terror to those whose names are not found written. There's a judgment for those whose names are not found written. Is your name found written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd be in the presence of God? Or you'd be in, the, in, the, in, the, in a cell of hell awaiting the great day of judgment? For hell is brought up, and they are judged out of the books for their sins in the cast and lake of fire. Oh, you could shout and scream unfairness and all you want, but, but you're the one who's snubbing God and slapping away the work of Christ. You're the one mocking the name of Jesus Christ, and you're going to receive the consequences for your rejection of Jesus Christ. He made a way, and you're a sinner, and you know you're a sinner. We all know that we are sinners, don't we? We all know that we are sinners. And it's because of our sin, because of our ignorance, because we have broken the law of God, we must be judged. You break the law of the land, you're judged. You break the law of God, you're judged. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, many try to ignore it. Many try to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. But knowing the terror, and he's talking about us, that we know the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade others. We must persuade others around us. We go in spirit and we warn them of, the, of their spiritual uh, end. That they will live forever. They will live forever either with God or in hell. Eter eternity in hell or eternity with God. We see the judgment, eternal judgment. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God. We, the saved are made manifest unto God. And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. That this manifests in your conscience as well. It manifests in faith. It manifests in spirit. It is a true thing that will manifest and we will see. But do we see it here, now, in our conscience? In our day to day? We go out and about and doing whatever we're doing. Is it manifested in our conscience, in our words, our thoughts, our actions? Is it manifested in everything? In everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God. Is it manifested? And I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we, are, for we commend not ourselves again unto you. It's not about us. We commend not ourselves unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf. We give you something to glory in. What is that? The word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. So that you can 
warn others, and convict others. Look what he says here. Others who glory in appearance and not in heart. The glory in appearance and not in heart. Well, to them, it's all about the outward. It's all about the physical. It's all about the religiosity, the traditions, and the catechisms, and the creeds, and stained glass, and the robes, and, and the mysticism. But not in heart. It's all about the outward. They're working by, by sight, not by faith. They're judging. They, they are judging after the appearance and not righteous judgment. To them, it's all of the outward. But what is Paul talking about? It's all about the inward. You can't fix the inward if you're focusing on the outward. You can't fix the inward by maintenance of the outward. The outward is fixed by maintenance of the inward. You must look in first. That's what Jesus talks about, you know, the, even the moat and the beam. To care for yourself first before you can help others. For yourself to fall in repentance. To seek after holiness of heart. Belief of the heart. Confession of the heart. Faith of the heart. Faith of mind and heart. And when you walk in the Lord in prayer and devotion and love of the heart, it will, it will directly manifest outwardly. You naturally, instinctually will want to do those things which are honorable unto the Lord and naturally, instinctually not want to do those things which are dishonorable. The outward is maintained by the inward. You can't maintain the inward by the outward. But we give them, we give others something to give answer to, to those that are focusing on the outward. What is that which is given? What is that which is given to answer these? The faith. The word of God, the hope of glory, the truth of Jesus Christ, the word of God. Knowing the truth of God, knowing the day of judgment, knowing about the cross and all and everything that we say we believe in, the doctrines, the truths, the theology, the faith, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we share with others who have gotten it all mixed up. Those who have gotten it all mixed up. Those who are trying to cast off the bands. And th those who are running wild. Those who are believing falsely. We give them the word of God. For we commend not ourselves. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. It's not about my personal religiosity. It's not about... about your works and righteous works it's not about us we don't commend ourselves but we commend that which is of the heart which is what believing faith believing faith believing faith we commend believing faith verse 13 for whether we be beside ourselves it is to god or whether we be sober it is for your cause Regardless of what I do, regardless of what I am, regardless of what, what I'm saying, we help one another to uphold one another before God. To help one another to be accountable, acceptable, honorable unto the Lord. It is to God, not me, not to my glory, not to my name, but to His name. His name which is above all names. 
Verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. That which, that which forces us forward. There's a power, something that drives us. We see soldiers on the battlefield. Oh, when the battle gets hot, the battle gets hard, they start to lose heart. They start to lose heart. And they get they get distressed and they get depressed and they get cast down and they start to to lose confidence but then they remember something that if they don't what will happen and so they rejuvenate themselves and they press forward with that much more zeal what is it that drives us forward that keeps us going the love of Christ, the truth of Christ. Because what happens if we don't? Souls will go to hell. We must press forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must keep preaching. We must keep witnessing. We must keep speaking no matter what happens. Like I said at the beginning of this broadcast, some of you may not have heard this. Uh, I woke up this morning to a notification from Instagram. That Instagram really hates me. <laughs> Instagram gave me a hate speech warning, gave me a hate speech strike, said that my account on Instagram is in danger of being deleted. Why? Because I made a comment speaking against devils. Literally. Because I made a comment speaking against devils, speaking against demons, and Instagram said that's hate speech and is, and is threatening to delete my account. So what should I do? Should I stop talking about devils should i stop talking about things instagram doesn't like what should i do the apostles were dragged up before the sanhedrin and they said we we command you not to speak in the name of jesus or else or else what you could be stoned you could be beaten and you could be imprisoned horrible horrible persecutions can come up come upon you what do you do do you bow to their threatenings and railings? Do you bow to their ravings? No, you press forward. You keep speaking the truth. You keep speaking the word of God, regardless what the world says, regardless what the devils do. The love of Christ, the truth of Christ, constraineth us, drives us, gives us the passion, the zeal, the fervor. Gives us that confidence to keep standing in the heat of battle. The love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 2 Peter 3.9 God is not willing that any should perish. And this any and all is any and all. It's not, these aren't limited words. Words with a limited, specific limited meaning of a, of a specific people group. This is anyone in the world, all in the world. So, go look up the meaning, the actual meanings of the words in the Greek. And that he died for all. Because he died for all, all must be told. Now, what did Jesus say? You know, it's, it's really interesting. And that certain people really harp on keeping the commandments and go, we must keep the commandments, we must keep the commandments. You know, I'm just saying, from my personal observation, 
I have found it really interesting that that so so many people that harp on and hammer on we gotta keep the commandments don't really pay much attention to the commandments of God about going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Very rarely do I find these commandment keepers evangelizing. Just saying. Very rare do I find these commandment keepers handing out gospel tracts and being evangelists. Just saying. Because they're cherry picking which commandments that they think must be kept. They're not keeping them all. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. And, th and that he died for all, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves. But to remind the saints, remind the believers, stop living unto yourself. It's not about you and your life, your home, your gardens and your money, and your, your, your fame, your fun and your enjoyment. It's not about you. It's not about the flesh. It's not about the world. It's not about the, your, your, your house. It's not about your building. It's not about your car. It's not about what you see. It's not about what you sense. It's not about what you feel. It's not about this world. It's about that which is spiritual. It's about the spirit. It's about him which died for them and rose again. It's about Jesus Christ. How are you honoring Jesus Christ? How are you following Jesus Christ? Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, that when you look at each other, you don't see the flesh, you see spirit. It's a spirit being in a flesh body. That's what the word that's what the, the Bible says that in this world, that we are spiritual beings in a flesh body. We will receive a new body. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. That we don't look at Jesus as a fleshly man, but as spiritual. He's God. That when you saw him, he just looked like a man. But now that we see him and who he truly is, he's God. And we look at each other as we truly are. We are spiritual beings. Verse 17. Therefore, because of this, if any man be in Christ and you're born again, you're a new creature. You're changed. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're completely changed. A completely, utterly different creature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. That's all of your sin is forgiven and forgotten. Your past of all the mistakes and all the sins and all the things you've ever done. Gone. It's erased. It's like everything was written on a whiteboard. And you take an eraser and you wipe it all off. And not just that, but then by the blood of Jesus Christ washes it clean as well. So there's not even one speck left. Everything you've ever said, ever done, ever thought, gone. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. Regarding us again as all things are new, and all these new things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. He changes us, redeems us, washes us, cleanses us, instructs us, and then gives us one single commandment. 
one single job, one single focus. The ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That's a big word. Reconciliation. You know, it's funny. Uh, these uh, seeker-sensitive progressive churches, quotation marks, churches. Uh, there's one in the, the, the town next to us. There's a church there. I use the word church lightly. Uh, they're not allowed. The preachers, they have a couple of different preachers that take turns in there. They gather in the movie theater. In in the Galaxy Cinemas place, and they 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 rent one of the theater rooms to hold their church in, and they have these guys that take turns in bringing messages. And uh, this church has a rule uh, in, in their church that you're not allowed to use big words like propitiation, reconciliation. You can't use those words because they're too they're too confusing. You can't use those words. Uh huh. Anyways, to be reconciled to God. What does that mean? Reconciliation. To be reconciled. is to be changed, to be redeemed, to be, to be brought into the proper relationship of. You are out of relationship, now you're in relationship. To be reconciled. Go and make reconciliation. To, he committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What is, what is the word of reconciliation? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said. The word of reconciliation is Mark 1.15. Mark 1.15. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the word of reconciliation. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, the repentance of sins, the salvation from sins, and being brought into the kingdom of God. He is given unto us. Now, who's the us? Who's the us? All believers. Every single person who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single born-again person is given the charge of going out with the ministry of reconciliation. That you have a ministry. You have a ministry. Everyone who's a born-again Christian has a ministry. You're called of God in a ministry of the gospel it's a commandment of jesus christ he says go into all the world and preach the gospel you are commanded by jesus christ himself to go and witness the gospel to everyone who will hear it everyone who will listen everyone who will hear it everybody around you must must be told must be warned must be shown that's what jesus says that to refuse that is to refuse the commandment of god just saying we see in Mark 16. Let's take a look at Mark 16 for a moment. <clears throat> if I ever get there. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Jesus is talking here. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a commandment of God. We're to obey the commandments of God, right? Well, what's the commandment of God? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Well, women aren't supposed to preach. Please. To preach is to proclaim, to proliferate, to witness, to testify. 
Women are allowed and are told to go and witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. What women aren't, aren't allowed to do, as the scriptures say, is to pastor a church, to be a pastor or deacon of a local church. Women are absolutely told and allowed to witness and evangelize, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So if you hear any any weirdo saying that women aren't allowed to, to proclaim the gospel, just ignore him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. All right. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all all things, these new things, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, what is this? And he goes into detail. Verse 19, to wit, the meaning of this, this word of reconciliation, which is, to wit, God is in Christ. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Reconciling the world unto himself. How? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're saved by belief. See it? Those are believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You receive everlasting life by belief. Reconciling the, the, the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That their, their trespasses, their sins will not be imputed upon them, but are taken away. You will not be judged for your sins. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation of how we then are brought into relationship with God by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, God manifested in the flesh by himself. Acts 20, 28, God purchased the church with his own blood. Now, verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors. Now, we know what ambassadors of countries are. You see uh, an ambassador from Canada coming to the United States. They are representatives. Representatives of the nation which they come from. They come in the name of their nation. They, they are like a uh, they're an image, a picture of their nation. They stand in, stand as an image of their nation. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven in this world. We have we are now in a completely different world, different nation, but we are of a different kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. We are ambassadors of His kingdom in the kingdom of the world. We are not of this. We are in the world, but we are not of the world, as the Bible says. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Get yourself right with the Lord in right, proper relationship. For the unsaved, that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your sins be forgiven, sealed by the Spirit of God. To you saved, that, that you would acknowledge the truth and take the faith seriously. You, you'd wash your hands in innocency and walk in the Lord in the fear of the Lord. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. For Christ took upon him the penalty. He took upon him the atonement. He took the price. He paid for it all. As we see in the in the Old Testament, the picture that uh, once a year we see the lamb sacrificed for sins. 
for all for all believers. The high priest would take a lamb, and that lamb then would be the sacrifice for all the sins of all people, of all who believe. Now the sins were then imputed upon him, that he paid the price. How? By death and blood. By, by the death of the lamb, and then the blood of the lamb would be taken to the mercy seat and sprinkled in the mercy seat. You see, by, by the shedding of blood, there's remission of sin. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, took upon him the sin of the world, so that any who would believe on him then would be imputed the salvation, the, the atonement of that Lamb would be, be imputed upon them. It's open unto all. For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him, because we have no righteousness of our own. But 1 Corinthians uh, 1.30, that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is our sanctification because we have none of our own. We have no ability of our own. We have, we have no righteousness of our own. But we, but we are imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How? By the Spirit of Christ that dwells within us, seals us. And the righteousness that is in us is not our own, but is His that He shares with us. He manifests through us. He demonstrates. We walk by faith, not by sight. When we walk by sight, we get corrupted. We see, we see as that blind man, that Jesus came across that blind man. And he laid his hands on, on the blind man and partially healed his eyes. And he says, what do you see? The man looks up, he says, I see men as trees walking. Very interesting language. It's just very, it's like trying to look through a, a very opaque window. You can't see clear. You barely make out anything. But then Jesus healed his eyes completely. And the man says, I see clearly. To see clearly. We need to stop looking through the eyes of flesh and start looking through the eyes of spirit, with spiritual eyes, with the spiritual mind, the spiritual heart. It's not about this body. This body longs for it to be entertained, and the body wants its lusts and desires. The body wants it. It wants, and the and the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. So, what do we listen to? The lust of the flesh, or, or the lust of the spirit? Because that which the spirit desires, that which the spirit lusts, is righteous. The spirit desires righteousness. Desires that which honors the Lord. That which is accepted of God. As we see in verse 9, that we may be accepted of God, accepted of Him. That which God accepts. To do those things which God accepts. What does He not accept? That which contradicts, that which goes against his character, goes against his nature, goes against him, that which does not glorify him. So we should desire those things which are accepted of God. Not by my opinions and feelings and thoughts of what I think God would accept. But rather what the scriptures flat out say. We can't change the truth of God into a lie so that, so that we may have a God of our own imagination. A God that, that will accept my fleshly self. But rather, we want the Lord that accepts our spiritual self. The God which is of spirit. We worship Him which in, in spirit and in truth. 
And just as Jesus told the, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, Verse, uh, John 4, verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. To worship God in spirit. It's not about the outward. It's not what enters the man that defiles him, but that which comes out of the heart. That we should be focused more in spiritual things. To look at this world in a spiritual lens. Not a physical when we look around at this physical world, we see how corrupted it is. Casting off the bands, casting off God, casting off morality, casting off things, and, and making everything as self. Self is the authority. Self is the authority. The flesh is the authority. The flesh is not the authority. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That, that we might be made the righteousness of God. How can we manifest that? How can we manifest that? Manifest the righteousness of God in everything that you do. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Second Corinthians chapter 5. All right, so there you go. Any comments, questions, issues, insights? What do you think? If you appreciate these studies, please give this a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell icon so we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content, playlists, all different topics and stuff. Please make sure you check it all out as well as checking out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. Uh, we got links to all our other platforms and goodies and our podcasts over there. And we've got free downloadable gospel track PDFs. Make sure you take advantage of that as well. So there you go. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Again, the, uh, the Apostle Paul reiterating, by the Spirit of God, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, how and why we should be focusing in things of spirit, not looking to entertain the flesh, but to entertain the spirit. And what entertains the spirit? That which is righteous. So just be more mindful of what is truly going on, what is truly important. And to not worry about the flesh, but to worry about that which is spiritual. So there you go. Just some things to think about. All right, so we were talking about at the beginning um, about clothing and how Paul is using the word clothing uh, it's synonymous with the fleshly body, kind of, kind of an allegory there of uh, how we have our, our fleshly bodies and we'll receive a new body and he uses the words clothing. And we see how uh, God is against nakedness uh, and that he makes coats, he gives us clothing and he condemns the immorality of nudity and all that kind of thing. But what do we see the world do? The casting off of the clothes and, and being naked and there's no shame and we see them doing it in rebellion to rule. But the Lord said, don't do that, but they rebel against the Lord. And the devil loves immorality. And we see a lot of that, especially in the month of June. But purely, uh, it says here in a comment, I used to wear bikinis. The closer I got to God, the more modest he's made me as an ambassador for him. My old mind said it's no big deal. New mind says you're corrupting eyes and minds of others. Yep, exactly. All right. I'm going down through. 
And we're talking about faith and that faith is not works, but faith does manifest works. Faith manifests the carrying out of faith. And as Olga says, works are the result of faith, right? There are so many who believe that faith is works, uh, uh, Catholics and Orthodox and uh, many of those kinds of uh, places and works-based religions, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists believe faith is works. Uh, but no, we see in the Bible it says faith is that which is not seen, can't be touched and can't be felt. But faith is believing trust. It's not works. So yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, we see a question here by, I'm going to say, Ube. How do you even get in the book? What do you do? How do you get started? How, well, you start by reading it. Slowly. Like, for example... I always tell people if you uh, who ask me questions like this, I always tell them, always tell them, start with the Gospel of John. So you t take the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning of what? Just take a moment to think about that. In the beginning. Beginning of what? It's the beginning, the beginning. Beginning of everything. So Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning. The, uh, so we see, in the beginning was the Word. How did God make everything how did god make everything by speaking in the beginning was the word and the word is with god and the word was god the same as in the beginning with god all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made okay so we see the word which is god which made everything verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us who is that was jesus so you see slow reading let's go down just take your time Pay attention to the specific words. Read slowly. Think about what, what's being said here. Think about what's being said and, and check out the rest of the Word of God. It, it's, it's a study. It, it's a study. It's not just a reading like you read a novel, but it's a slow, methodical, meditative study of the Word of God. Take your time. And if you want to know more about this or how to get into this, I've actually done an entire walkthrough of the Gospel of John. It's in a pl our playlist. Click on that and just grab your Bible and follow along. And I'll, I'll walk you through it and I'll show you this and it'll really help you if you want to get started. Okay. Um, and a follow-up here by Ube says, sorry, you said if you don't appear in, in the book, you won't be allowed in the kingdom. Okay, so you're talking about the, the Lamb's Book of Life. All right. thought you were talking about the Bible. Well, okay, well, both are good. All right, so we see the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, we see in Revelation, there's a mention, uh, uh, no worries, no worries. Uh, in Revelation, there's a mention of two different books. There's the Book of Life and the Lamb's Book of Life. There are two books. Now, we see in, uh, in the Bible, it talks about those whose, whose names will be struck out of the Book of Life. Who is that referring to individuals who rebel against the Lord and will not repent and they see a judgment of God as this is, uh, is referring to taking their lives physically, they are killed. Which we see happen to multiple people throughout the Bible. Like Ananias and Sapphira, their, uh, their lives are taken, they were, they were killed, their names are struck out of the book of life. But we see the Lamb's book of life, which is different. The Lamb's book of life are, is the names of those who are born Again, because you see the book of life is all those who are alive. Everyone who is alive. And then we see, as Jesus says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. 
again a second birth. You're born once physically, you must be born spiritually. You must be born spiritually. John chapter 3. You must be born again. You're born of water. You're born of blood. You must be born of spirit. Well, how can I be born, born again? Can I, can I uh, uh, go again a uh, second time into my mother's womb and be born? As Nicodemus says, Jesus, no. Uh, but, but, but it's of spirit. And then he explains how to be born again. To be born spiritually is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. As he gives the gospel in John chapter 3. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, we've got to look at this. Why am I believing in Jesus? For what? What purpose? What did he do? Why do I need to believe on him? Well, all have sinned. All are fallen away. All have become corrupt. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We've all broken the law of God. We are guilty. We are all sinners. We all know that we are sinners, don't we? We all know that we are sinners, and we all know that we are guilty of this. And because of our sins, we are judged of our sins and found wanting, and we, and we are, will inherit hell, the judgment of God, the wrath of God. But because God is not willing that any should perish, he doesn't want that to happen to you. He made a way of escape, that, that he sent his only begotten son to pay the price for your sins because he so loves you he, he, that the wages of sin is death. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There must be a death and shedding of blood. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus paid that price for you on the cross. He shed his blood and died, was buried, rose again the third day to show you his power over life and death, power to, to forgive sins, power to give you eternal life. And he says now, just believe on me. Romans 10, 9-10, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For by grace, the unmerited favor of God, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the work of Jesus Christ. He says, it is finished on the cross. All that is needed, required, was done by him. All you must do is believe. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your God and Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and save you, and He will. It's that simple. It's that simple. That's what He says in His Word. It's not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of righteousness, religiosity, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God washes us, regenerates us, changes us, makes us new. The Spirit of God indwells us, seals us, forgives us. So how can I be written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Romans 9-10, to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, make it personal. You say you may believe in, well, I believe in Jesus. Have you made it personal? Have you told him? Have you told him? Honestly, sincerely? Do you see him on the cross? Do you see what he did for you? Do you see your sin? Do you see your state? Do you see how much he loves you? What he went through for you? Now go before him. Introduce yourself. Call upon him. Believe on him. Ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. It's that simple. It's from your heart. Just call upon him. And he says, all those who come to me, I will no wise cast out. All those who seek me shall find me. If you go before the Lord and you call upon him, he will answer. 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you do. All sins shall be forgiven them to the sons of men, and all blasphemies or whatsoever they shall blaspheme shall be forgiven. But the Lord promises, all your sins shall be washed away. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be washed whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be washed white like wool. It doesn't matter what you've done. Go before the Lord. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is how you enter into the Lamb's book of life. And when you call upon the Lord in believing faith, in believing faith, he then takes his holy pen and writes your name in. And so when you stand before the Lord, you will hear name found written. And you'll be one of those standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ before the Lamb. Obey says, I said, I was raised as a Catholic, so I'm trying to uh, undo all I learned, and it really was all rituals. We weren't allowed to read the Bible. Right. And as we see, as we see in today's study, if you I hope you were in earlier when we were going through this in chapter five, where where uh, Paul talks about it's not of the outward. It's not about the outward. It's about the inward. It's about spirit. It's about the spirit, not the outward, not the rituals. Their purgatory doesn't exist. Where they teach you, know, you then have to atone for your own sins to be to be worthy enough to enter the bliss of heaven, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ already atoned for everything. It's not about me. It's not about Mary. Mary did nothing for you. She's not our advocate, intercessor, mediator. Nothing. And it's not about other saints or any other things. It's not about the beads. It's not about the confession box or anything else. It's not about the magic cookie, Oreo cookie thing. It's about the blood of Jesus Christ. It's about the work of Jesus Christ. It's about the, the body of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ. It's about the spirit of Christ that dwells in the heart of every believer. You just ignore everything. Throw it all out the window. And you just look at Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, risen again. No other name, no other power, no other blood, no other work, but the work of Jesus Christ. He said, it is finished. It is finished. I have nothing that I can bring to the table for my salvation other than the sin that made it necessary, as the preacher Jonathan Edwards says. I bring my sin to the cross. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinful man. Forgive me. Save me. I believe. Just like that. It's that simple. And you are saved, are sealed. It's not something you earn down the road. It's something that, that is a reward down the road, but it's something that is given immediately at the moment of confession of faith. You are saved. First John 5, 13, that ye may know that ye have eternal, that ye may that ye have eternal life. Why? Because you believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. You receive salvation immediately. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. He offers it before you. He says, look, here it is. Free salvation. Salvation from your sin. Do you want it? Yes, I want it. Take it. It's yours right there. It's a gift of God. It's a gift, not a reward. It's a gift, not something that's earned. You don't deserve it, but he gave it to you anyways because he so loved you. Because you came before him and you called upon him and you believed. And you believed. Salvation is by grace through faith, by belief alone, and the Lord God, Jesus Christ alone. That's what it's all about. 
It's not about the outward, as you see, the entire book of Galatians is all about that. It's not about the outward, which the entire book of Hebrews is all about that, how it's not about the outward. It's not about the mysticisms, the religiosity, and the traditions, and the bells, and the gongs, and the incense, and the cookies, and everything else. It's not about any of that. It's about a spirit. It's of spirit. That which is not seen. To believe on that which is not seen. To have faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. With faith, the substance of things not seen. And we see what the Word of God says. The Word of God which teaches us and instructs us of that which is not seen. As God is spirit, and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The flesh doesn't worship God. The flesh can't worship God. The flesh is corrupted by sin. The flesh lusts against the spirit. And the flesh hates God. That's why the flesh will die. Or we receive a new body. And the flesh is not saved. The spirit is. It's of the inward. Not the outward. See, Catholics, it's all about the outward, not the inward. They try to fix the inward by trying to maintain the outward, which is the complete inversion of what God says in his word. It's not about the outward. It's not about what I do and don't do, what I keep, what I don't keep. It's not about law keeping. As it says in Galatians, if there had been a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But it's not. It's not about the doing and the keeping, the maintaining, but it's about the believing. It's about Jesus Christ, it's about faith. Believing trust. Believing trust. To have faith in Jesus Christ. Belief in Jesus Christ. We walk in spirit, not by sight. We walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Now we now then we are ambassadors for Christ. So how so how could we be ambassadors of all that which is spiritual? By first focusing inward, maintaining the heart. In love and honor, respect and fear, because you want to, not because you have to, not because you have to, but because you want to. What happens when you want to? Want is out of love. Have to is out of is out of law. But as we see in Romans six fourteen, we're no longer under the law, but under grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. That I didn't merit it, I didn't earn it, it's not a reward, I don't deserve it, but he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. Unmerited favor of God. Not merited. To earn. It's not merited. So, ambassadors of Christ, as Christ teaches us all of that which is spiritual, which is of the heart. As the Pharisees are all about the flesh with their phylacteries and their maintenance of their mysticisms. As Jesus says to look at them, they look beautiful, but inwardly they're full of rottenness and dead bones. Their spirits are dead. Rather, he took crude, unlearned fishermen, which outwardly looked crude and horrible, but inwardly they're full of the righteousness of the Spirit of God. That's what it's about. It's about the inward. It's about the what to. It's about the love of Christ. It's not about a have to. It's not about the flesh. It's about the spirit. To undo the corruption of the cults, to undo the corruption of false religions, all you got to do is look at the inward of, uh, and the spirit of Jesus Christ. 
You just look at Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone. Everything else is irrelevant. For when I, when I maintain my love of Jesus Christ, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that what naturally happens out of you will flow springs of living water. It'll naturally just manifest what needs to manifest. To be ambassadors of the righteousness of Jesus Christ is to keep your eyes solely focused only on Jesus Christ by faith. Hope that makes sense. All right. Um, okay, Lindsay has a question here. Sometimes I doubt I'm doing enough for Christ. Well, who is? Who does enough? And feel like the unfaithful servant and cast it into outer darkness. But I know it's not by works. There you go. But the enemy has me thinking small things don't matter. Every small thing matters. And everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, the most the most minute, the littlest things, God cares about. God cares about. Now, think about it just for a moment. Use your sanctified imagination, okay? You see planet Earth? Really see it. All right? Zoom out. See the moon, the other planets. See the sun, the whole solar system, you see everything. Zoom way out, you see space and all of the galaxies and nebulas and all the stuff, how huge space is. How tiny and insignificant we are in relation to the entire universe. We're nothing. We're nothing. But he so loved you as tiny and little and insignificant we are, he so loved you that he came down and went through the cross for you. How small we are. We're not gods. We can't do anything. We have no power. We have no goodness, no righteousness. We were enemies of God. We were children of the devil, heirs of hell. Look what he did for us. If he loves you that much, you can bet that he really cares about everything that is in your life. He cares about every little thing, all the big things and all the little things. There's nothing in your life that's so insignificant that he wouldn't care about. Think about it. Yeah. And who does enough? Who prays enough? Who reads the Bible enough? Who does enough works? Who does enough works? I'm very glad my salvation is not based upon my works because who does enough? We, we, none of us do enough. That's why he did it. He gave it. He maintains. He holds. You're held in my hand and no man can pluck you out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. He holds us because we can't hold ourselves. Okay, purely as a question, will we recognize each other in heaven? Yes. Yes, yes, we will. You will recognize Moses and Daniel and Adam and Noah and Paul and Mary and Martha and Miriam and all the rest of them. You'll recognize them. You will recognize everybody when we're there. As Paul says, I met a man in heaven above, whether in the body or the body, I cannot tell. And I saw and heard things which is not lawful for men to utter. And But we also see uh, how on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus 
is transfigured before them into shining white, and Elijah and Moses stand beside them. What does Peter say? When Peter looked up and saw Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, he recognized them. He spoke about Moses and Elijah. How did Peter know that was Moses and Elijah? Spirit knows. That was, in, that was the inspiration. That was the knowledge of God. There you go. So yeah, we will recognize each other. <clears throat> okay, and uh, purely talking, uh, says to Ube, praise God. I'm praying for the Lord to grant you guidance and wisdom and pursue him and only him. Amen, amen. All right, so there we go. So uh, any other comments, questions, please go ahead and ask away. So today we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and great study there, and tons of information, so please make sure you rewatch this, and make sure you give this a like, and a comment, and a subscribe, and share this video around to others, as well as check out all our other videos, we've got tons of goodies, playlists on According to the Bible, which we address commonly asked questions and such, we got playlists on Proving the Bible True, which we look at archaeological discoveries, all kinds of things in science discoveries that prove the Bible true, and uh, all kinds of other plays. playlists on Proving Eternal Security, and all kinds of stuff, so please make sure you check those out and share them around, and uh, yeah, so there we go. So we'll wrap that up there, thank you so much for joining in folks, God bless you. And uh, give this some thought about walking in spirit, thinking in spirit, working in spirit. What does that mean? To what extent do we take that? How far does that go? What does that mean? So hope it's been a help to you. Hope it's been a blessing to you. And God bless you folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.